nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Thank you so much for coming and joining us again for Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and um, our topic today is self-care, the gift you give yourself. We were thinking that uh, in the spirit of giving this season, that this might be an excellent thing for all of us to kind of remind ourselves about. So um, I am very happy to have Tina Morelli uh, on Once a Nurse today to talk about care for the caregiver. Those of us who choose to give care to others often do so because we feel so great when we help someone else, so much so that we often accommodate others to the detriment of our own needs. We think the other person will be so appreciative that they will be happy to reciprocate when they can. For the most part, people do reciprocate and are appreciative. However, many times we caregivers do not do the kind of care kind and caring things for ourselves um, that we so generously do for others and find ourselves exhausted, overwhelmed in our own lives and not comfortable seeking help from others. Tina is here to shine a light on how we can do better by ourselves and in that process of caring for others. So um, Tina uh, Tina really uh, has lived the life of a caregiver and has reached out to all other caregivers to share the wealth of her wisdom and experience. She's written many books to make the process simpler for new professionals and relatives coming into the field to care, care for a loved one. So Tina, could you um, tell us a little bit about your background? How did you uh, get into nursing and what brought you to this aspect of uh, caregiving? Well, thank you, Leanne. Um, I've been a nurse for a long time, so we like to say we're experienced. Or seasoned. um, Seasoned, yes, that could be better. (laughs) And um, um, I've had a very varied um, nursing career. So, um, you know, I graduated with my undergraduate degree and went and worked in hospitals, and I was one of those unusual people who loved to float. So, I mean, I did OBGYN, PEDS, med surge. Um, which was really a really foundational basis for mm-hmm. when I jumped off into home care about five years later Not and was primarily at home. Um, and so that kind of brought me where I am. And during that journey, I'd written quite a few books. Primarily, they started to help my home care and hospice team members, my staff, because there really wasn't a lot out there. And I thought it's so complex with all the regulatory requirements. Right. And so that kind of how I got here today. Mm-hmm. So home care to me, I, I would be the exact opposite of you. Floating was the last thing I wanted to do. I wanted to be in my home place. I wanted to know where everything was located. I wanted to know basically what I was going to be doing that day. So I think it must take a real um, special kind of person that can not only do that um, floating, the ER kinds of stuff, the uh, ICU kinds of stuff, and then home care to me is doing all of that at home by yourself. Is that kind of the um, way it is? 
well, you're really not by yourself. You have team members, and though they might not be down the hall, they're a phone call away. Yeah. Um, and you have family caregivers oftentimes who mm-hmm. really are the experts on their loved one that you're trying to take care of. And they're mm-hmm. the people um, who can help um, the patient meet their goals. And also, I think they're the people who can help organizations meet their goals. Wonderful. I know that you, in fact, I had mentioned in the introduction that you have written several books, and um, that's a whole nother field. To me, that's a whole nother career, uh, basically. So t- tell us about how did you get started in that? How did, how did nursing fit into that? All right. Um, I wrote the Handbook of Home Health Standards the first time in the late 80s, again, for my uh, home care team who were great clinicians, but because of all the regulatory requirements related to Medicare, um, lots of documentation, lots of supporting medical necessity since it's a medical insurance benefit, um, that's how that got written. That book now, 30 years later, is on its sixth edition, so that really makes me feel seasoned. (laughs) <laughs> when you think of it that long ago, yeah. <clears throat> so um, say more. What um, Was there anything okay. in your life, in your personal life, that brought you to wanting to do this work and, and writing about it also? Absolutely. Well, um, the book um, that I think you want me to talk most about today is called A Guide for Caregiving. Yes. What's Next? Planning for Safety, Quality, and Compassionate Care for Your Loved One and Yourself. Mm-hmm. And in the title, the emphasis is and yourself, mm-hmm. because whether you're a professional caregiver like we are, or a family or friend caregiver, we all have to take care of ourselves. And so that gets back t- kind of um, to your title, the gift you give yourself for the holidays, because mm-hmm. I think right. we do so much for other people um, that sometimes we're a little empty. Mm-hmm. And even when we are a little empty, it's like we don't necessarily um, give us give ourselves permission to have some help. It's almost like, I don't know for other people, but for myself, when I was in that mode, when I started to need, need help, it was just almost like impossible for me to ask for help because I felt like that was my role and I just did not feel comfortable giving it to somebody else to care for me. I felt like I should be able to care for myself. And that's not always um, true. It's not always true. And the biggest thing I've kind of learned, and I have to keep relearning it, is we just can't be perfect and do it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe um, we're a self-selected group sometimes of perfectionists. Mm -hmm. And we have to make that okay that we can't be perfect. And I know that's hard, especially in the caregiving role, when we think there's only one way to do things our way. Right. Right. Actually, um, I met a woman in a women's support group at one point, and she said that she was practicing to be imperfect. And I, that was a great way to say it. Yeah, it made my brain explode because to me, it was all about getting better, 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 as close to perfect as possible, knowing we can't hit perfect. Um, But I had to really think about, in fact, I had to ask her many times, what do you really mean by that? How, how does, how does, being imperfect make you a better worker or, or any of the other things. And she said because her uh, focus on perfection, which no one can attain, she was the only one that she was fooling 
as far as how well she was doing things. Other people were perfectly, you know, clear about the fact that she was not perfect. And the fact that she kept striving for that kind of made her um, a target, I think, you know, for people to tear her down. Uh And so she found that by being imperfect or showing, being willing to share her imperfections actually made her more accessible to her team and the group of people that she was working with. And um, she found that they were more willing to support her when she was being honest about who she was and how she was doing. And doesn't that make sense? Absolutely. It does, but not when you're that perfectionist. (laughs) It makes no sense at all. And yet, oh, man, I was so grateful that I had uh, at one point I became a manager and I had the most wonderful staff that just had a great sense of humor. And one woman would make faces at me. Uh, She would see me coming down the hall with my very, you know, uh, sincere and very strict kind of look on my face and and uh, she'd start making faces at me. And so by the time I got close to her, I was laughing. And then you can't hold that, you know, stress oh. that you're showing and feeling. So good things to learn. So let's talk a little bit about how, um, what's happening now. As far It seems like there's more people wanting to stay in their homes. So then there's more people that are becoming involved in caregiving. Can you say a little more about that? Um, absolutely. We know that, the, um, for example, the demographics um, that we're seeing now, the oldest old being the fastest growing segment, that's not going to stop anytime soon. We also know that people have more complex care needs, um, more comorbidities, more they're sicker longer sometimes. So this also has um, clear impacts for the family and friend caregivers as well as professional caregivers. We might be taking care of people longer across time, and they might be sicker. Right. So I think that's all, you know, factoring in. And what's that number that for the next, or for 19 years, 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 every day? I mean, it's hard to wrap your brain around those numbers when you hear them. I heard somebody turn it into like every minute, and it, it just boggles your mind. It's just really hard to... You know, we've always known that we were the largest um, demographic, and we continue to be, but um, it's harder to think of ourselves as over that, you know, into that um, elderly or front line of the family kind of thing, where there was always, for me, there was always another generation ahead of me, and now it's getting closer and closer to my being that front line generation. Absolutely. And and there was just a big report that came out about family caregiving and how many um, young people are also, or, you know, what we used to call the sandwich generation mm-hmm. are taking care of, um, you know, their family members. They're calling them, um, in fact, it was um, burning the candle at both ends, I think is the mm-hmm. name of the report. And mm-hmm. they had an average age of 41, so clearly younger oh. and had children yeah. at home also. Yeah, and that's been around, too. I mean, our generation even got into that for a while, too. So um, let's talk more about that. We're at the holidays. Um, For whatever reason, even people who I'm talking to a lot of people who don't celebrate the holidays uh, and still feel very stressed. 
And that seems like, why is it, what is it about this time of year that everyone feels like whatever angst they've had that they haven't dealt with seem to come up, and especially family, I I assume because we're all coming together, usually in small uh, places because at this time of year, often it's not possible to get outside or be in a larger area. So tell, tell me about that. What are your thoughts about why the holidays create such a problem for us? You know, I think it gets back to what you mentioned before. Um, there's an expectation of perfection, which just isn't, mm-hmm. you know, realistic. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think um, it's, um, you know, I think it's complex, so it's never one thing, but how are we taking care of ourselves? So those people that maybe meditate or do relaxation techniques or get massages, do those things get, you know, not scheduled because there's so much else going on? My guess Or canceled maybe, because something comes up. Ab- absolutely. You know, do they don't have time maybe to read a book that they really enjoy or even hear a podcast. Mm-hmm. So really trying to take care of ourselves. Um, right. Like you said, practicing to be imperfect is a really good way to say it. But mm-hmm. I think it is worse this time of year, and then you add caregiving on top of that. Right. That's kind of a recipe for big-time angst. And it might be also, I was thinking, <clears throat> especially if you're in that sandwich thing, where maybe your family has allowed you the latitude to spend more time with the elder generation. But at the holiday, they want to pull you back, especially many times it's a female uh, in the family, and oftentimes that female is sort of the center of the family. So when that person is away, um, there's uh, sort of a hole there, and uh, so you may get pulled in more than one direction simultaneously. That's a, a good way to say it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, it may be that people are already past the point of buying gifts right now, but If they're thinking about a birthday gift, um, would this guide for caregiving, would that be something that would be a good gift for uh, just for somebody who is taking care of their um, elderly parent? Or maybe it's a child, so maybe it could be uh, an injured or um, uh, uh, disabled child that Uh they're taking care of. Well, um, this book is, um, I tried to make it holistic, meaning because I think um, uh, healthcare is pretty specialized now, and mm-hmm. sometimes that can be a good thing. But sometimes, particularly for older adults who might have frailty and they have more than one thing, so for example, they might have heart failure, high blood pressure, uh, maybe diabetes, maybe a wound on their leg. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to set the book up. I like to say that the hip bone's connected to the thigh bone, but... <laughs> Um, yeah. Because I think foundationally that's where we need to be to take really good care of people holistically. Mm-hmm. And probably this is from being in home care for a long time, but you're there looking at that whole person. So what are they mm-hmm. eating? What food's in the refrigerator? You know, mm-hmm. it's just so much more um, clear when you're in someone's, you know, sacred space, their home environment. Mm-hmm. So the book is organized um, first um, administratively, like. Like, what's the caregiver role? Um, what, what skills do you need to be an effective caregiver? Um, who's the care team? What are the different settings for care? Because I'm sure you agree it's really complex now. Um, yes, you know, to say the like least. It's a whole glossary, absolutely. Right. 
there's there's a whole chapter about advocacy because um, I think that um, caregivers have such an important role in communication and coordination, and we know that a lot of safety studies, you know, attribute some disconnects to communication and coordination and whether or not information was passed on or passed on timely. Mm-hmm. There's a chapter about creating and maintaining a care notebook or binder so that, you know, we're not guessing what the right. last numbers were, for example. There's a right. chapter about safety in the home just because that's where most people want to be. They want to age in place. And also there's a little discussion about how to assess the home, and but not everybody can stay at home, you know, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. So that's addressed. Mm-hmm. And then the there's a whole section on infection control and prevention and self-care of the caregiver, meaning taking care of yourself. And then the second part of the book is alphabetical, Alzheimer's, amputation, arthritis, bed-bound, cancer, mm-hmm. cardiac, chronic obstructive pulmonary, what's called COPD, diabetes, mm-hmm. end-of-life, palliative, and hospice care, older adult care, stroke care, and urinary and incontinence care. Because those are the main, the main ones. problems. Mm-hmm. that we see from a care planning perspective. And then probably those can impact other things. So Absolutely. if you've got those so people, an understanding of those basic ones and you're looking at your loved one and saying, it's not any of these, then you know it's something else. Well, it's interesting you should say that because we've had, um, we have some faith-based organizations who use these. We have assisted living who provide them on admission, you know, so that the family and friend caregivers, you know, better observe and watch for certain things in their loved ones. Mm -hmm. And so I actually had a call from a family member who said, in the book it said, if my um, elderly father got confusion or confusion changes, look for a urinary tract infection. Uh I called the doctor, um, and that's exactly what it was. So, you know, we know all these things as nurses. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's just not shared, and I think I, my goal is the democratization of healthcare. So this is one glossary. <laughs> yeah. So if you call it atrial fib, AFib, whatever, that everybody I calls hate. it, because if you go to a healthcare sitting uh, setting, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be guessing what you have. You are the expert, and your family caregiver is oftentimes the expert. Right, and they might have some other way of of speaking about it. We um, this is kind of a good place for us to go to break, so I think we're going to do that right now. And <clears throat> I want to come back and uh, come back to that concept of the safety in the home uh, and how you can um, determine if the patient can be safe at home. And then the second part of that is how do you convince the patient? Because oftentimes they are just sure they can stay there. Um, so this is... This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing, and I am Leanne Meyer. I'm here today with Tina Morelli, and um, our topic today is self-care, the gift you give yourself. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back, and uh, this is Once a Nurse, and this is Leanne Meyer. We're talking today about self-care, the gift you give yourself. My guest today is Tina Morelli, and she has had a lot of experience, especially with home care and dealing with clients in the home, Um, and so she's written a number of books about it. We were just talking about one of those books called A Guide for Caregiving, What's Next, and she wrote it in a way that it could be used either by um, uh, professional caregivers or uh, family caregivers to give you some ideas about things you might not have thought of and etc. So before the break, we were talking about safety in the home, and I wanted to go back to that for just a few minutes. So what are, you, you even mentioned that there was um, a checklist or some way of being able to determine if your, your loved one was safe in their home. Could you talk a little more about that, Tina? Sure. Um, um, you know, safety in the home is crucial. Of course, everyone wants to 
stay at home. Um, but I always say to people, try to look at your house or where you're thinking about moving to with, with new eyes. Because um, I think we need to start viewing um, health care with home as the hub, because that's where our decisions are made every day that really impact health, health care, and health habits. Um, so with that in mind, we know that every home is different, and we all live in different ways. And if, you've, um, if you look at a house objectively, you know, how many stairs are there? Are there barriers to getting into rooms? Are there steps outside to get into a house? Are there different levels? So, you know, what's the layout look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and you usually don't think about these things unless, and sometimes even when you're younger and you break a leg and you can't go upstairs to the only bathroom or the only bedroom. So um, let's just look at an example. Um, I knew a friend of mine, he fell off a ladder, and that's a discussion for another day, and he <laughs> came home after surgery with a cast on his leg. So this was a really dilemma. The only way they could do it was a hospital bed was delivered and they had to have a commode. So they had to move out like all their dining room furniture to make this Mm -hmm. all fit. Mm -hmm. So I just think, especially as you talked about some of the demographics, Leanne, Mm -hmm. um, that we need to think about that. And we also know, um, you know, depending what people have in their house, pets, oxygen therapy, uh, Mm -hmm. gas stoves. It just depends. You can walk into a house, and I have walked in, because as a home care nurse, you kind of look for safety, where people have throw rugs on top of long, um, uh, on top of wall-to-wall carpeting, which you can mm-hmm. imagine uh, is very hard to walk on, uh, even for people who walk well and are very mobile. Mm-hmm. So some of these things really have to be taken into consideration. Even the opposite. Even the opposite Absolutely. thing where they'll have a throw rug on top of a very slippery floor. Um, it, yes. You know, linoleum or, you know, wood or whatever else it could be. So you step on the rug and there's nothing to stop it from scooting forward. So just from a safety perspective, I always tell people to consider prevention and how to minimize those dangers in their environment. You know, you know things like smoke alarms, carbon monoxide detectors, are the batteries working? Mm-hmm. If they use their wood stove or a chimney, has the flue been professionally cleaned mm-hmm. out? Uh, you know, really kind of what to, what to us is kind of common sense. Things like looking right. at the height of chairs for the oldest old because it can be hard for them to get up and out. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, just really trying to look holistically and especially in the bathrooms because I'm sure you've heard that some people think that's the most dangerous room in the house. It's got so much hardscape, you know, if mm-hmm. you fall. Right, that you could then, hit against something, the corner of the um, vanity or, yeah. The floor, the tub. Yeah. And then, and then what's the lighting look like? I'm sure you've been to friends' house who have really low lighting. Mm-hmm. And they might have stairs, and so they just, you know, it's just hard to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that my, my mother moved from her home of 45 years to an apartment, and then um, a couple of years ago, we moved her to independent living, which was a wonderful move <clears throat> and something she had kind of dreaded. Um, but what she, what she has noticed is that sometimes there are people bringing in new people into this environment 
who are wheelchair bound, oxygen bound, maybe can't transfer themselves very well, <clears throat> but somehow they think that they're going to do just fine in this independent living. And I know my sister-in-law, again, that has dealt with elder people in, in the home, always talks about how family tends to be often not in the environment, like they don't live in the neighborhood, they live all across the country. And so they tend right. to think of mom and dad as being the same as they were a year ago or two years ago or 10 or 20 years ago. And they talk to them on the phone, but they maybe don't see them in person in their own environment very often. And she uh, indicated that many times these family members will be very optimistic. Oh, no, we don't want them to go to a nursing home. That would um, be too cruel. Uh, so they set them up in an independent living, and they don't have the resources they need to be able to survive there. You know, that's interesting you say that. I think of two things. I recently went and visited a very older uh, adult friend, and uh, and the family was said, you know, we only come in the day to visit her. And I said, that's fine. So, of course, I was there for an overnight, and the lights out front were all out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, you know, you just have to assess these things from a safety perspective. I thought, how is she getting her evening newspaper? Right. You know, it was hard for me to see. But the other thing is, I think sometimes people don't want to see the changes. Mm-hmm. It may, they might have to assume more responsibility Uh, It means their parents are getting older. I can't tell you how many times uh, in home care we see that, where it's so clear that it's just not safe. And -hmm. sometimes they will have already had a fractured hip, and they go back home, and you just assess and say, oh, my gosh. So that's that new eyes. Right. And listening to the people who are around that person, it might be a neighbor, <clears throat> might be the nurse that's coming in once a week or a couple times a week or something. Uh, when they tell you your loved one has moved to this point and this is what they need, to be able to listen to it and not just say, oh, no, mom's perfectly fine. Right. That, yeah. But that gets to, like we mentioned, that, you know, because right. you have to do something. And right. that do something is really a problem among yeah. family sometimes because it's, not everybody thinks the same way, as you know. Especially when you have to convince that person. <clears throat> right. Excuse oh, me, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a topic sure. to go off on here a little bit, but um, I want to go ahead. No, oh, go ahead. I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted to um, uh, just touch on this older adult care. You mentioned that you had gone to visit an older person. Um, Could you talk a little bit more about that, um, uh, why that's the fastest growing segment and what are some of the issues that come up in that area? Absolutely. Um, Well, and a lot of that has to do with safety, kind of like we were just mentioning. And that's how actually, I I don't think I said this, but that's actually how this book got written. Um, my sweet 93-year-old father-in-law came and moved into my husband and my home after his wife of 46 years uh, died from Alzheimer's. So my husband's mother died of Alzheimer's, and his father, who was 93 at the time, very frail, the most frail you can probably be, um, came and moved into our house. And Otto lived with us for three years until he um, died in his bed at our house with our care and hospice support. Mm -hmm. 
And so though I'd written all these books, that was a real aha epiphany kind of moment because I thought, you know, here I am. I know something about home care and health care. Um, and look how, um, how much work it took um, and look at what I learned from this experience. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how the, this book got written was I thought everybody needs, we, we need to be able to have a foundational amount of information to better care for our older adults. Yeah. And so many times I think this is the situation that somebody gets into it not knowing, not having a clue what it is that it's going to require. They think, oh, you know, a few hours a week or a day or something, and this will be fine. Um, So to have somebody who's already uh, researched it, figured out, you know, what are the resources? How do you get from here to there? What are some things to look for? I think that's just a tremendous service that you've offered there. Um, I do want to get back again to this idea we started with for the caregiver. How do we... Uh, drop out of the role we've been playing for whatever period of time as the caregiver. For instance, I have two older brothers and I'm the nurse in the family. I'm the youngest and the only girl and the nurse in the family. So it's like no no conversation at all. Obviously, I was going to be taking care of our parents. Um, but uh, so I was also talking with a friend of mine who that was the situation for her too. She had three older siblings Uh, herself the youngest in the family, not a medical person, but her family all decided that she was the only one that was not married and didn't have children, so it was going to be great for her to live in the home with their parents and take care of them. And they thought that was going to be just, you know, a few months maybe, and it ended up to be years. And so she literally wasn't able to work. She had to take time out from her life to do this. When you're in that role and the others think, okay, we've got this all set, how do you bring in the discussion or how do you get them to start to help uh, to be able to um, uh, walk back from that role that you took on, you know, a few months or years ago that now isn't working? Well, I'm going to say that whatever role people take on, at some point it might not work. Mm -hmm. So reassessing, is this working for everyone involved? And to have those conversations earlier. I know um, in the United States, we don't talk a lot about end-of-life and end-of-life planning and care planning and advanced care planning. But that being said, other cultures do. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting um, mm-hmm. that we need to have, realistically, you know, if you look at the actuarial tables, we should be having a midlife conversation about what we want for the rest of our lives in our 40s or at the we latest should. in our 50s. Yeah, we, we should. should be doing that, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, So that being said, I think when it's not working, um, it might be time to pull in like a professional care manager who can assess the situation, the people, their care needs. Um, In fact, when um, Otto came and lived with my husband and I, um, though I'm a home care nurse and I do a lot of assessments, um, we had a care manager assess him, um, looking at his frailty, his ADLs, his IEDLs, um, everything before he moved in with us so we would really know his care needs and have a really robust plan for him of how best to care for him. 
I just want to mention that ADL is uh, activities of daily living. Yeah. So those basic things, <clears throat> being able Correct. to get dressed, being able to make a meal for yourself, those kinds of things. And what's the ideal? Um, instrumental activities of daily living. So managing money, shopping, you know, all of these together is okay. what makes you be able to stay in your household right. and alone. Right. Um, so having said that, um, we're not alone in this. I'm sure you've noticed that there's a lot of governmental initiatives around <laughs> caregiving. Yeah. Both federal, you know, national and state level. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of change related to that and from a policy perspective. Because I think you know when the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services get involved that there's probably going to be some changes. And um, they actually have um, some quality strategy goals that... Mm-hmm are related to uh, what they call strengthening, strengthening person and family engagement as partners in care. Mm-hmm. So just kind of we see where this is going um, because people live all over the country, so their adult children might not even live in the same state, let alone the same area mm-hmm. of the world. Um, and people are living longer, so there's got to be more structural supports to make it effective. So, with um, healthcare kind of up in the air, do you think that we're going to continue toward this where there's going to be more supports? And then my second question with that is, um, how do people know about these things? So many times uh, in various different um, uh, roles that I have in life, um, I will be telling somebody about something that they knew nothing about, didn't even know that was a possibility for them. Well, um, uh, you might be aware that the RAISE Family Caregiver Act was passed in 2018. Um, RAISE stands for Recognize, Assist, Include, Support, and Engage Family Act. Anyway, this act required the Secretary of Health and Human Services um, to develop and maintain a strategy to support caregivers. And they actually held their first... um, Family Caregiving Advisory Council in August of 2019. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they have, you know, kind of uh, the initiative and the goals. So I think, you know, it's starting to happen. Mm-hmm. That's great. And as long as you've got the law and you've got people that are designated to deal with it and um, help it to happen, there's more possibility it's actually going to get to people knowing about it and being able to use it. We're, again, coming up against a break, and I seem to have something in my throat, so let's just go to a break. Um, This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I am uh, with Tina Morelli, and we're talking about self-care, the gift you give yourself. I guess we're talking about an even wider topic uh, of home care in general too. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. 
If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back, and thank you so much for staying with us. Um, this uh, th- this particular episode, we're talking about self-care, the gift you give yourself. And I'm here with Tina Morelli, who's written several books uh, trying to help home caregivers of uh, various different kinds. Um, we were just uh, talking about, uh, I think we kind of got into more about the patient than we have about the caregivers. So I want to step back again a little bit and talk about uh, what if the caregiver is overwhelmed and knows they need help, but they can't either don't have family or friends that can step in, or they don't know where else to get um, some some assistance for themselves or even what might be available to them. What do you suggest for them? Um a lot of um, municipalities have area offices on aging, um, so that's one resource. You can also call your um, local health care system, and you can also um, contact uh, a local home health agency because usually they will know what are the resources in your physician's office or your loved one's um, physician. 
right. or a primary care provider oftentimes, um, you know, has connections because you want mm-hmm. that local um, of what they offer. And, you know, every, every municipality is a little different of what they mm-hmm. offer. Yeah. So what are some suggestions you would make for the caregiver on what they could do to uh, gift themselves with more time or uh, more assistance? Um, Money is so many times a factor in the issue that somebody will work themselves 24 hours a day for this individual and um, not really realize that they're becoming more depressed, they're not as healthy, they're having all of these other things. So what are some things they might be able to ask for? I'd probably see if there's caregiver support um, meetings in your area. Are there classes for caregivers? Um, that We're seeing those emerge a lot more. Do they provide curriculums like the roles, skills needed, um, self-care of you, the caregiver. Your health system um, can sometimes offer those because we're seeing um, family caregivers particularly emerge um, as important team members because they're really sometimes the only person who really knows what meds, herbs, lotions, and potions the person's taking. Right. Um, and they're very experienced with their loved ones, so they might know when a um, think about when a family caregiver said to you as a nurse they knew something was off or wrong or different, mm-hmm. and we listened, and with, there was something going on. So they need to be embraced, I think, these family and friend caregivers, as true members of the health care team because they can only help us. Right. Um, so, So other things, are there... Uh, so you have the option of trying to get some relief. Uh, if you can't pay for that, then what do you do? Um, well, in most states, um, Medicaid um, is the primary payer for long-term care generally in the United States. So if someone can't afford to stay in their home, um, there's uh, Medicaid is usually um, you have to apply for Medicaid. That's a means tested based on... Um, on resources, on assets, to see if they can qualify for Medicaid. Medicaid Mm -hmm. also does some home care. So that's where that uh, local home health agency might know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, that's very helpful. The other thing I was thinking of is that they contact the home health care organization. It's maybe the first connection they've made to the next step for their loved one, where maybe they do need to have some kind of care in the home. Um, I'm, I'm the nurse in me is coming out again. So I want to keep right. on uh, with what we can do to uh, help the caregiver. Um, are there uh, resources that might not only help the caregiver take some time off, but maybe be able to uh, take a small trip to get away from uh, everything that they're dealing with and just have some time to relax and and or is that just kind of um go ahead there are some respite programs it just depends because some of these are Mm state-based um um so it really just depends but you won't know unless you start you know going online or asking your health care provider Right. And that word respite just means giving you rest, giving the caregiver specifically rest. Um, but they're called respite programs, correct? 
Correct. Right. And what might be some things, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that when I have in the past been doing care for somebody, I, I think it's like a mother with a new baby. Um, you just are so focused on that baby and taking care of the baby that you don't notice. What would be some symptoms that a caregiver might notice about themselves or somebody else might notice and tell them that should be concerning to them? Um, that uh, I think one of the most common ones is that you're getting forgetful. In other words, things are falling off the plate because you're stressed mm-hmm. appropriately. Um, maybe you're um, um, not as sweet as you usually are. <laughs> <How's> that? <Yeah. clears throat> um, but those are things people might notice. Or maybe you aren't doing the things you used to do to take care of yourself. So maybe mm-hmm. you're not showing up as things that you used to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so somebody calls and says, gosh, you weren't at book club last month. What's going on? Right. You used to take that hour for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, yeah. Um, Not wanting to go to a movie or some other things I can think of is just, you know, going out to eat or going to a movie uh, where sometimes uh, they don't realize that they've turned down an offer four or five times in a period of a month or something. Um, one thing I thought about was health care for yourself. Um, how often does that happen that the, the person is so busy getting that, that loved one or patient that to the doctor's? Yeah. Absolutely. Their own mammogram. And it should just go without saying that if if you're not caring for yourself, you'd really at some point cannot be an effective caregiver. So the best thing we can do is take care of ourselves. And I know this sounds easy, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And I know this is the holidays, so it's really easy to, uh, shall we say, have more junk food. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, a cigarette if you're trying to quit January Mm -hmm. 1st. Um, and though it may feel, you know, kind of good in the short term, sugary foods, alcohol, and cigarettes, you know, probably make us feel worse in the long run. Mm-hmm. The other thing I always try to remind people is try to stop listening to what I call negative Nellies. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're family members, so they're in from out mm-hmm. of town, and they have all these ideas, <laughs> and they tell you these horror stories sometimes. Make it okay to have Pollyannas in your life, people that make you laugh, that (laughs) bug you to say, you didn't show up for book club. What can we do to try to facilitate that? Yeah. Um, And not being afraid to ask for help. I know we're kind of going back to the beginning, but I know it's hard for us, but it's really important. Yeah. So um, are there things that you would really like to make sure that people understand about their own care when they are being caregivers, um, that personality maybe that um, just wants to get in there and keep working and doesn't uh, necessarily pull back and say, what do I need? And it's okay for me to take what I need? Or is there anything else you would like to make sure that people around the world know about um, taking care of themselves? You know, because it's this time of year, spending time with others who have maybe your same and value your spiritual beliefs can be a great source of comfort. Mm -hmm. I always like to say, accept the great intentions of others. Mm -hmm. Stay in touch with um, people you love, even if they live far away. Um, You know, take short walks, 
practice your breathing exercises or whatever works for you, um, you know, muscle relaxation. Um, a lot of this doesn't take a lot of time, but it shows you're caring for yourself. Yeah. Um, I just uh, was trying to think, too, with the idea of um, family members who come in and uh, have all kinds of great suggestions. Um, right. If they're offering to do anything, you know, whether it's a friend or a family member who's saying, you know, just, you know, ask me if you need anything anytime and I'd be happy Ask them. Take that moment when they are offering and they're in that feeling of generosity and say, um, you know, here are the four things that I really need help with. Which one of these would you be able to do? Uh, and and then I, it's, it, it's an agreement. And I would bef- try to be proactive. So before we're in a crisis, make a list of things that can be delegated to others. So that you have that list, you know, going to the mailbox, you know, going to get the mail, picking up, you know, here's texting the grocery list, Mm -hmm. um, driving your senior to the senior center where they play cards for an hour and a half and you get a psychic break, whatever it might be. They might not do it how you do it, Uh um, but it'll get done. That's the hard part. If you ask them to do the wash or clean the bathroom or whatever it is, you have to be able to say they're going to do it their way and I have to be okay with that. Otherwise, you're double doing it and it doesn't really help. So, um, heard, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just heard from somebody who was like stressed to the ninth degree because somebody wanted them to hold um, a Christmas dinner. And I just uh-huh. said, you know, just let's talk through that. You know, so uh-huh. declining requests to do anything that adds to your activities and stress. She knew the answer, but it was hard to say it. Yeah. So, right. um, try, and trying to keep your sense of humor because funny things do happen during caregiving sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to laugh and very healthy that we do so. Mm-hmm. I think that's really true. Um, I was looking at uh, just in general how people deal with stress. We're, um, we're right up against the end of the show again here. And so um, I just wanted to share this briefly. It was uh, a list of things that you can do, and each one has kind of a, a little bit longer uh, uh, point to it. But the first one is networking. Um, and I think that is so, so true. Who are the people you know that can and will help? And there are always some people that are constantly asking to be able to help. So I like the, the comment you meant about having that list. Um, be able to plan ahead. Sometimes you get so involved in the day-by-day thing. Uh, get up early. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I'll feel better if I just stay in bed for another hour or two. And oftentimes that doesn't work. Um, it looks like I'm going to run out of time here before I get to the end of my list. But uh, basically avoid time wasters. Sometimes we're doing things that don't have to be done. Um, uh, make your your own health a priority. Uh, learn from people you admire. So if you know somebody who's in this situation, what can you learn from them? Cultivate an attitude of gratitude. We all know this, but boy, it's easy to be complaining whenever um, these things go along. But the the smile and the gratitude seems to make you feel better. So we are at the end of our time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Tina, for coming on and talking with us about this very important subject. And I hope to um, encourage everybody to call back 
or excuse me, to listen back next week. Thank you. Thanks, Leanne. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.